Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Family Reflections. I'm in here today with Eleanor Charles. Eleanor, you can tell the people hello. Hey, everybody. What's happening? Comfrey Massive, class Comfrey of Massive. 09. <laughs> <laughs> Reunion. Yeah, man. Um, you know, today uh, we're taking things, things are going to be a little different because in the past, in the past episodes of Family Reflections, at <laughs> least, we have been extremely serious because we had to be speaking about some very serious issues and um yeah so this episode we're kind of taking a step back um we can be a little funny too sometimes we can make it easy sometimes you know and uh i just decided yeah i just decided it would be a good idea to catch up with an old school friend of mine eleanor uh mm-hmm. and i'm looking forward to the conversation that we're going to be having today eleanor is joining us all the way from the uk right <laughs> yeah yeah shout out to technology for even making this possible right yeah connections just like that yeah man. yeah so eleanor what can you tell the people about you give them a short introduction to who you are what you're all about right so i'm eleanor i am i'm a mommy of four i just started a youtube channel um my blogging journey, talking about motherhood and marriage and the kids and just really trying to start conversations, continue conversations about a lot of difficult topics and et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. So if you're watching this, make sure that you uh, go to YouTube, make sure you like, share and subscribe, check out her videos. Uh, How can people find you? How how can they find you? Um, So my channel... My channel name is El Charlo, E-L-C-H-A-R-L-O, and then press the subscribe. <laughs> yeah, man. So definitely go check out. She has some great content there. Um, you know, Eleanor, we left Compre about a decade ago, right? A long time. <laughs> that means, you know. Time for gray hairs ago. That's the time. <laughs> A, a lot of things have changed. We have changed, you know. I'm not the same person I was when I left Compre, you know. Um, wh- would you say... What, what would you say has changed about the most about you? Oh, gosh, boy. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's a great question, you know. Um, what, what has changed the most about me? I would say I'm more, I'm more in touch with who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when I left Compre, you know, I was 17 and there, there were a lot of things that I have learned about myself, uh, a lot of things that I've accepted about myself um, ever since 2009 that, you know, some things I wish I knew, some things, you know, you know, at the end of the day, you are who you are. And um, at my age now, I now, yeah, I just know myself better you know, and I really enjoy that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm glad that that's the case, right? What, what about you? One second, uh, the kids. Yeah, so no what were you saying? So I was saying like, how, how do you see that you have changed ever since uh, Compre days? <laughs> have I changed <laughs> is the question. Um, I think a lot of people watching this video, I think a lot of people from our year who see that will be like, where boy, Eleanor is still that same goofy, you know? I think what has changed the most is that I am just 100% in mommy mode now. Like everything I do is just about the kids, 
every right. single thing. So yeah, that's. But that's what does that one. look like though? When you say mommy mode, tell us a little bit about mommy mode. What's that like? <laughs> every single thing I do basically just revolves around them. This video, I had to make sure they were fed, pampers changed, everything. So it's just everything revolves around them, really. All the just every single thing. So whereas I'd be able to just get up and go, then you have to think, okay, the kids, this, this, this. Are they sorted and then move rather than just pick up yourself and go, which I'm sure you, you know, very freelance over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely different for you. But yeah, that's what mommy mode is like for me. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Uh, uh, let's, I, I like to ask these questions to kind of put things in perspective, right? Let's imagine that before you had the children that you have now, you could sit down with yourself, mm-hmm. three children, Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, four. yeah pre four children yeah yeah and give yourself some sort of a heads up like hey this is what you can expect this is what you can do to make it easier to, to help things balance out a little more like what would you tell yourself oh my gosh I just started this new journey a lot of the things that I had difficulty with like you know just a lot of the issues with the person itself a lot of issues with myself like the reason why people have issues in the first place is because of generational trauma and I wish that I knew I was aware of it and then I would be able to address it mm-hmm. and navigate from there because it changes the, your entire parenting style the type of every single thing just changes when you are aware of things like that and I wish I knew that back then um, a lot of the things, because I had twins first, so it was, you know, with those two girls. Those and you could, <laughs> Their personality is completely different from the second two, because from the time that I realized these things and I was able to address them, then I, it's pretty much like you have a fixed version of myself to now, you know, mother these other two. So whilst I'm trying mm-hmm. to correct what I, the mistakes I made with them, because they were my firstborns, I was, what, 21 years old? A lot of things I didn't know with them. And you could see it in their personality. You could see it. Like, you could just see it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Now, you mentioned generational trauma. Can you dig into mm-hmm. that a little bit more? Like, what, what exactly are you, re- are you referring to when you say generational trauma? I think every single person in the, in the world has issues, especially our generation where things like that are not brought to light. It's like, especially in the Caribbean, it's a normal thing to you know, things that we would consider normal is abuse, you know, and then because we allow it and then just transcending from generation to generation, nobody not checking themselves. So it's like, this is normal. I'm going to do it. My kids getting it. Parents did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think me understanding that and realizing that and it's like, hey, that's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be. I hear people say all the time, oh, my father used to give me licks and look how well I turned out. And I look at it, I was like, did you turn out well? Really? Did you really turn out well? No, you didn't. It's just, you know, it's a normal thing. And, and, and probably you survived in spite of, despite of. But did it really make you a better person to get your butt, you know, whooped? Not really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't so, think so. It... it, it it's so funny that you mentioned in this because just last night I was in a conversation with someone um, about this very issue because I think in Caribbean culture, what we do is in order to deal with our trauma and deal with our issues, uh, 
the women, uh, oftentimes, not all the time, but the women tend to use religion and go to church. Um, and the men uh, use alcohol and <laughs> sex, right? What, what opposite, sir? So the girls go now, to church. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me tell you. A lot of the time, there's, there's always people who use different things. Everybody's different. But what mm -hmm. the trend that I see is that that's generally the case, right? Mm -hmm. Generally, when you, go in, when you walk into a church, you mostly see women in there. Generally, mm -hmm. when you walk into a bar, you mostly see men in there, right? That's true. So what do you think about that? Um, I would hate to paint a picture that would show, you know, women going to church to try to curb uh, heal the generational trauma because now if I sit down in a church I'd be like boy what you're trying to say about me I have generational trauma that's why I no, no, no 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 that that's not all, that, that I'm not saying that going to church is all about trying to avoid your issues or trying to yeah. paint a brush over your issues yeah. but the thing is and you know an argument can be made that it is a much healthier way to do that but mm -hmm. you know I think that a lot of people do use that, right? Yeah, which rightfully so. That's exactly what it's for, is, you know, to get back to healing. That's basically what, you know, um, churches are for healing. So, I mean, we have to just try to investigate why the, the men not doing it too. We have to get them in the church I as mean, well. I mean, of course, the men do it too, right? I still go to church, you know? <laughs> well, um, yeah, and then there's this whole stigma about church boy and oh, they just have so many things wrong. Of huh? course, just so many things wrong. Where do you begin? You know, to start trying to, oh my goodness, where do you begin? But yeah, we have to try to figure out how the guys aren't coming to the church. I saw my, my cousin is a priest, and I follow him on Facebook. Um, he said something to the effect of, you know, sinners should not be seeking out the church the church should be seeking out sinners you know like instead of the you know those broken trying to go and look for then the right. church should you know be coming to i don't know if it's the, the communities or wherever to find out it's like wow that's very interesting and for a priest to say something like that it's like you know what well but then again uh-huh I think that is the case, right? I think, you know, for many churches, well, different denominations to different degrees, a lot of churches do place some sort of emphasis on evangelism and reaching out to the community, right? Yeah. But I mean, for because I'm a Catholic, I never really experienced it that way. I think it's just um, mainly you find yourself in the church. <laughs> you find yourself in the church by whatever means but you're right with other denominations you know like the other churches would have like what you call it um those kind of camps and thing and then you bring a little friend and all of a sudden that little friend converted and do, 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 do. so yeah some some i guess it's, it's down to probably the denomination as well right so do you say, would you say that you have any healthy um, ways of dealing with your trauma or was there a particular way that you dealt with yours that helped your motherhood? Because um, from the way you spoke about it, it sound like, sounded like that was something that you used to kind of become a better mother or grow yeah. as a mother. Um, well, first I had to identify, you know, the 
toxic things, the toxic people. And I had to, you know, just confront them. This is what it is. I'm trying to stop generational trauma. I try not mixing up in that. Either you're with it or you're not. And those who are not, I cut them off. So, I mean, it's a process. Right? You're not just going to fix it overnight. And even in myself, like a lot of the things, bad habits. So, for example, I'm a shouter. Don't ask me where I get to shout from. You know? <laughs> My mother was never a shouter. I think I had a friend. Their parents was a shouter. You see how things happen? Their parent was a shouter. Every time I go to the friend house, rah, 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 rah. And subliminally, you're not saying, oh, wow, that looks inspiring. She's shouting at her child. Let me do it too. You don't think that. But because subliminally you see it, it registers. And probably you're not even checking to see if that's right or wrong but you're just learning those mannerisms and then it happened to me so back analysis to clean your room da, 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 da. <laughs> so that was one of the things that i was just really trying to cut down on you know just the shouting is just well even shouting is that's an interesting one right because in in caribbean culture shouting is nothing like everybody shouting it's nothing <laughs> shouting is, is part of nothing. the life yeah <laughs> we shouted yeah, yeah. for everything if you quarrel in your shouting is it's just a shouting fest right <laughs> <laughs> but one thing it's something interesting when i just came to the uk because i moved here the kids they were yeah they probably just turned one and i remember this child she was having a tantrum in the supermarket with the mother and i just remember sitting there i was so like what is happening in front of my eyes the child having a big meltdown in the middle of the shop rah, rah, rah. the mother gets down stoops down to eye level I understand this is the problem. I have never seen anything like that. <laughs> what Caribbean person you see to come and try and reason with a child and do right. And I was like, what is happening? And then, you know, because you are accustomed to something, that doesn't mean it's right. But, you know, that's just our normal thing. I mean, if, if, if you try that in Lucia, they hold you by your ears already, or you get a big <laughs> slap already, or, you know? I mean, so here's my thing, right? Because I've seen that myself. And you, when you see it, you wonder, because the first thing in your mind is, boy, that child need licks. What kind, yes. of, what kind of nonsense? That child yes. needs some licks. All yes. right? <laughs> but then you look at the, the, the parent's approach of reasoning with the child and sitting down and all this stuff. And on my end, I feel, okay, nah, that child taking advantage of you. Yeah. But then on the flip end too, you also think that there are people in Caribbean culture that that sort of discipline and that sort of thing where you can't talk, you 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 can, you never reasoned with. There is no conversation. Maybe that limits uh, the freedom of expression, freedom of thought, critical thinking of a Caribbean person. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because I was trying to understand. Like I have so many. I know, oh my gosh, they're here again. <laughs> One second. All the, all the viewers know you have children, so, so we understand. Do whatever okay, you have to so, do. Okay, so, okay. And it's a baby, so she can't talk. <laughs> so, so, yeah, what were we saying? I was about to tell you that I feel there is a halfway point between licks and reasoning. There might be a halfway point. I think the point. way you start out, the way you start out, if you start off with licks, that's when you're going to find the difficulty. Okay. If you start off with licks and then that's the only thing they can respond to, right. then that's when you're going to find the difficulty. But yeah, I understand what you mean. Like sometimes these children, they just, 
they just, you know, and they know wrong from right and they still do it anyways. And you just think to yourself, boy. But the thing with giving them licks is just, you know, yourself being angry. It's not necessarily you trying now, to discipline the child. Yeah, no, no, no. I'll pause you right there. I don't, I don't believe in beating as revenge and giving licks as revenge. Like, oh, you did this. Let me show you. Let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know the licks where they're so yeah. vexed that they have to give you the syllables for each stroke. <laughs> Show you what I was. <laughs> no, but I believe I believe in licks with. Okay, this is what you did. This is the consequence of your action, and let's reason together. Also, with the licks on why moving forward you're going to behave appropriately, and what what was wrong with your b- behavior before. Right. And mm-hmm. I think if you use that approach and let me tell you something, I'm not a parent. Okay. I'm not a parent. I'm just a Caribbean. Man. I think you'll see when you become a parent and you give that child, or they come and <laughs> or don't beat me. Oh my God. <laughs> let me tell you something. Workout.com. I call my kids Conatis, you know, because you see when they come and they start, that's it. Um, but you know, one thing, one of the things is that if your wife or somebody you respected did something wrong, you wouldn't beat them. True. So that was one that was one turning point for me. And I just think that you just have to respect those kids. I don't know how, because you say it's not a revenge thing. Huh? So that means you're going to calm down. And then when both of you come, try to reason and say, okay, so I'm beating you. And then when you were talking about that, you know what I was thinking in my head, the image yeah. playing in my, my mind, slavery. How they used to whip them. Seriously, yeah. like the slaves. That's where we get it from, you know. I that about same that. whipping yeah. thing, it's inside of us. It's inside of us. And, so, and one of the things I learned about generational trauma is it changes your DNA. So even though you were not aware of the trauma, you would find these manifestations, whether or not you know cognizantly about it so i was like what no no that's interesting because (laughs) i've thought about the whole slavery thing as well because i don't think it is any accident that uh mainly amongst black people you see the sort of corporal punishment and uh, in our schools in our homes uh corporal punishment being used as a tool to uh keep things under control yeah Um, but (laughs) The thing is, while that sounds well and good, every, a lot of the people watching this are going to be thinking about the situation about the situation with the girl pulling the tantrum in the store, right? Yeah. Are you now saying that you completely agree with the mother's reaction in that case? Um, I would say that I would never advocate. I would never say that a resort is to hit a child i would never say that um and the thing like i said what the way you start off with it is and the thing again the reason why we beat as well is because again it's some sort of a power struggle you're telling me that you you find it so difficult to communicate with a child to get through to a child and say this is wrong you're not supposed to do this that you have to hit them literally physically inflict pain so that they 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 hear you so that they understand you i don't know if i i just feel like for me um 
it would be weak of me to, you know, just like a power struggle thing. Like I'm the dominatrix here kind of thing. <laughs> and but so, I do think that children need to know their place. You're a child, you're not paying bills, you're not doing nothing. Like you need to have manners and respect and all of that. You're a child and you have to know your place. But teaching them their place is like, mm, I, I just trying to eradicate it from <laughs> as far <laughs> as I can reach. I think for a lot of Caribbean parents, a lot of people that use corporal punishment, which I think is everyone in the Caribbean, <laughs> a yeah, lot of people everybody. that use corporal punishment, a lot of it is fear um, that if I don't do what was done to me, my child mm-hmm. is not going to turn out like me. My, oh. child, my child might and be... And these people, they need to think, well, how did you turn out? Because that kind of... When you shame a child like that, when you hurt a child like that, that manifests in a different way, you know? Sometimes you can't... You, you know those type of people that don't hug, they don't hold hands, you know, because they just have some kind of blockage. Mm-hmm. And it manifests in a different way. So who's to say that you turned out right? You know what I mean? Right. Back to the same person who said, I turned out fine. Who's to say you turned out fine? You could have probably been a thousand times the person you are today if you didn't have that blockage, that fear, where you were supposed to be receiving love. You were getting licked with a stick, you know? You know, <laughs> you know what you just made me think of just now, too? Uh, I remember when I was a little, a little boy growing up, you know, I was always an opinionated little person. <laughs> um, hence, this talk show. <laughs> but but um, I remember, you know, being around adults and they're talking about, you know, uh, they're talking about different things that I might have an opinion on. And I might want to say something like, hey, um, maybe, maybe you shouldn't do that. Um, maybe that's not a good idea. You know, you see my little mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and. I wouldn't dare say anything because growing up, the whole rule was you don't put your mouth in grown people business. You don't put your mouth yeah. in, in grown people conversation, right? And in doing that, you know, I, I learned to keep my mouth shut around people uh, or adults when adults were talking, right? Mm-hmm. Is, do you think doing that kind of uh, stops children from expressing themselves? Now, again, folks on the line, before y'all get vexed with me, I'm just asking a question. Relax. Do, do, do you think you were unable to express yourself when you were a child when that was happening? Um, that's a good question. But you probably just felt scared, you know, like, let me not... Again, the thing I say, like, kids have to know their place. And again, it depends the topic. Huh? If you're talking about... Okay, so say, for example, what were they talking about? Uh, I'll give you an, an example, right? So as a certified church boy, right? This, is, this comes mm-hmm. from church. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I was, um, it was one evening and there was some much older men. These guys, I'm talking 40, 50 years old. They were talking mm-hmm. about some religious uh, debate, right? Some, something about doctrine or something. And I had some points and I said them. And I was about five years old, six years old at the time. Five and years old, six years old. My goodness. Just to be safe, let's say six or seven. But it, it was very young, right? It was definitely way below 10. Um, mm-hmm. And they were so impressed that they grabbed me and I became part of the, the panel. <laughs> was, you were part of the panel, the church yeah. panel? Not, I mean, this wasn't really a church, official church panel. This was just some grown men outside talking about something that was important to them. Mm-hmm. And... 
I, I kind of sat on the panel there with them and, you know, we talked about some interesting things. Um, there were a lot of other times in my life that I feel like that would not have happened because I would have tried to stay away from putting my yeah. mouth into the grown folks business. I think, well, I, well, that's to show you, it depends on the topic. Huh? So if it's in a, if it's rated R and you know, PG 12 and oh, yeah, all these course. things, then you, then kids should not be, you know, should children be talking about politics? Mm. Well, again, you'd say what aspect of politics because they're going to try to campaign for the education system and things like that. So I think it's just down to the topic. But I have found myself telling my kids, like, know your place. That doesn't have anything to do with you kind of thing because appropriateness is a big, a big thing as well. Huh? All right. And even, but, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, in terms of creativity and all of that, I, you could foster it in different ways. It's not just, you know, butting into adult conversations. You could give them their own platform to express themselves as well. It's not just one way. So I wouldn't think it would be so much of a big problem. All right. I, I think for me, uh, something that definitely helped a lot with that is having a mother and a father that I could speak to in depth about issues that were bothering me and they would listen mm-hmm. and give me feedback mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a but you turn that okay for it. I mean, you're on a talk show interviewing <laughs> very still outspoken, you're not scared or anything. So you turn that well in the long run. Um, Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, I guess, yeah, but it's down to the topic. Uh, um, a lot of the times the topic is it appropriate is it relating to you is it affecting you um somebody um wrote on facebook who's going to pay the bill something to the effect of you know just the how mentally tasking it is for all the young people when we talk about you know what's going on in the world today with all this racism and thing because how are they now going to interpret it you know, right, kind of right. thing. And that in itself is a traumatic, very traumatic thing. It's like we're going through the revolution all over again. You know? Yeah, well, how, how have you been handling, I, I don't know what the, 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 all oh, the, boy. Re- <laughs> <laughs> you sure you want to go there? <laughs> I mean, hey, if you don't want to go there, we don't have to, but I, I just, no, I I'm just that curious. topic in itself will cause a lot of back and out. I do not expose my children to it at all. At all? At all. And why is that? Um, you know the Kardashians? One time, uh, one of the Kardashians typed something about, she was explaining to her very young children that they're privileged, about their white privilege, and you know they're superior almost over Black people. And I was just thinking to myself, what if one of my kids white friends from school goes to my black child and says i am superior over you you know kind of thing i understand i have privilege you know what i mean mm-hmm. i would flip i would do backflips i would go <laughs> in that school find the principal like i would just make big drama about it because you know we want to talk about equality and and making people feel inclusive and all of that and for my child to come and ask me mom why did this child say to me that they're better than me kind of thing and then now i have to sit down and explain 
I understand the whole thing. Like people will say, oh, you're being delusional. I understand the whole thing that there is a problem. But when you continue to paint the picture and you're telling the next generations coming that this is what it is, it's like right. you want it to stay that way. And well, I don't want it to stay that way. I completely understand your perspective. And it's very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited because <laughs> I like, I like I'm excited because I like speaking to different perspectives. Um, yeah. So here's my thing, right? The, yeah. the argument of everyone, I think a lot of the, especially the American people that might be, um, their argument would be that your children will be exposed to some sort of racism at some point in their life. And yeah. so it's better to be knowledgeable about it um, so that they're prepared for that eventuality. Yeah. Children are not emotionally mature enough to understand it. They're not. So you're telling me you're trying to explain to a child the complexity of, you know, a lot of things you just would not be able to process at that age. That's why we don't expose them to it in the first place. And um, a lot of things that I don't expose my children to because they're not emotionally um mature enough to understand i cannot sit down and explain to them look this is why we cannot see this family member anymore because you know of generational trauma you understand the list of questions that will open up for me they cannot understand that so it's like this person is on vacation and you know what i mean um and the thing is in the caribbean in the caribbean we were not exposed to racism like that so i think that's why I wouldn't call it desensitizer, but I think that's why Caribbean people, Caribbean young people just feel differently about the situation because we were not experienced. We were not uh, frontline, I should right. say. And um, I, I, on the last episode of Family Reflections, I think I expressed to Mike that that I believe is actually a privilege that I was afforded as a Caribbean person because I was able to not grow up black. I just grew yeah. up I just grew up as a guy. Normal. Just <laughs> grew up normal. normal. Like, what are you talking about, um, you know? Uh, but we still had, I mean, we still had issues of colorism, you know? Yeah, we still definitely had issues with colorism. But it wasn't anything to say, you know, let's kind of, you know, yeah. But, yeah, so in that regard, that's why I, but the thing is now, when I watch all of, I try to not watch all of those movies, you know, those police brutality. And you know how ups- my blood does boil, 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 boil when I see these things. So imagine trying to show a child, you know, expose a child to all of these things. How are they going to, you know, understand that in their mind? Now I'm an adult and I can put things into perspective and, you know, but how will a child be able to do that? All right. So kind of thing. I, I understand your your perspective about the, the emotional maturity of your child, but when would you think the child might be old enough to open a conversation like that? When they show me they're emotionally mature enough. Children mature differently. I was very uh, mature as a child because of trauma and experiences. And I don't want that for them. Like they have to enjoy their childhood. You right. know, let them be children. Because when they, I tell you, me and my friends, Dee Dee, Jody, and them, we always like, oh my gosh, I wish we could go back to comfy and do, 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 no <laughs> bills, no nothing. Like, enjoy your childhood. People listening to this, young people, enjoy your childhood. You only be a child once. Now you have the kids, you have 
decisions, you have bills, you have obligations. It's a different, different, different dynamic. So enjoy it whilst it lasts because that's it. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, 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 I completely agree. Um, yeah. How would you say, I mean, we, we are talking about the children, but I want to flip to you for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Have you encountered any racism since you migrated to the UK or have you had anything that uh, you personally experienced? I think every single Black person in those first world countries have probably experienced it. But my thing is, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it an issue. I just, again, I was able to process it in my mind. These people are ignorant to a degree. They, you know, for you to think that you're better than somebody because of your skin color, like, and then that's supposed to do something to me. Why? Because, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I have definitely experienced it. A lot of things I've seen and it's just like, what? What? But I mean, the more you give these things power and again, then they're going to come back at you. It's just a whole, like, whenever you jump into that um, thing, it just opens the box for so many other cascade of bad events. And for me, I just, it is what it is. You know it's there. But I don't give it power, basically. I just don't give it power. I know myself. I know my worth. And nobody can decide my worth. And that's how I operate. All right. I I want to give you a story that I think actually places a little bit of emphasis on what you just mentioned. Um, I was at uh, an engineering convention, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. It was my senior year in college. And um, we went down to Nashville, Tennessee for a National Society of Black Engineers convention, right? I was Mm -hmm. active in that club at school and we went down there for a job fair and networking and all that good stuff. And of course, uh, in order to, in that professional environment, we would be dressed up, we have our suits and ties, we have our business cards, we're prepared to meet meet the the recruiters and meet the people, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, while standing there, I'm just standing there with some of my friends and uh, another black girl walked by and she stopped and she was like, wow, look at three or four black engineers. <laughs> and that, of course, that made us feel good. But in the back of my head, it struck me that before she said that, I just thought of myself as an engineer. There was no, I'm a black yeah. engineer. There was no mm-hmm. black. In my mind, I was just thinking I'm an engineer. And mm-hmm. the experience of African-Americans, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, taints uh, a lot of things because people start to think through that lens. And it's difficult not to when you're surrounded by the media and you're surrounded by experiences they just keep projecting it they just keep projecting it and making it an issue making it a thing and it's a constant projection because we keep talking about oh, again people are gonna say okay you have to bring awareness and all of that like i understand that i understand that but if you're telling me either you're trying to bring awareness or you're trying to you know bring equality you cannot do both you know well, I, I think some, someone would argue that you can do both. And the argument would be that... You can do both, but it uh-huh. will, you will not get it at the same time. 
you won't reach the destination at the same time because you're constantly talking about that divide that divide i was watching this reggie yates interview and he was talking about so in south africa things are basically the script is turned up so the white people are very very poor and the black people are very rich and really? one of the black men came on screen and he's like something to the effect of yes yeah, so now we you know the 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 rule what's it the roles are changed now we are the the rich ones and they have to bow down to us kind of thing and i was like what that just sets us back how many years oh my gosh how many years um does that set back the human race when we say things like that when we think like that you know yeah. instead of saying okay let's try to work together and be equal it's like no now we're the bosses and we get to Oh, yeah, well, but Reggie Yates, he makes a lot of these, you know, kind of very interesting documentaries. Huh? So guys, check it out, Reggie Yates. So in, in, uh, from my opinion, I believe that the path to equality is increasing awareness as a vehicle to equality, right? So, you know, you mentioned that you're not going to get both at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm of the opinion that in order to achieve equality, what you're basically doing is using awareness and protest as a vehicle to reach that end. Can you see how that could work? Um, I, could, I could definitely see that, yes. If people call me delusional, I probably call myself delusional as well because... I just don't see why I should in 2020 have to tell anybody that my life matters because the color of my skin. All right. You know, I think that's just disrespectful for me to open my mouth and say, you know, like, why should I have to tell you that? You should know that that should be a matter of fact. So I don't know. I just, again, probably it's down to my personality as well. Uh, like I shouldn't have to tell you that kind of thing. All right. Um, but like you said, you have to, you know, bring the awareness and whatever. So, yeah, I guess. But you're saying that you should, you should definitely have to go out and, you know, tell people that your life matters and stuff like that. Um, well, here's the thing. I agree with you that you shouldn't. It's by, yeah. by no means should you have to go out and tell people that your life matters. Um, it, it should be a well-known fact. But, you know, an argument could be made that by no means should anyone have ever thought that a black person was three-fifths of a human being, right? Um, By no means should anyone have ever thought that uh, a black person or a white person could not get married uh, and it should be illegal. And apparently that was actually illegal up until, I believe, the 1950s or 1960s. So uh, people don't realize that a lot of this stuff is very very recent you know my mom was i believe my mom told me that she was five years old when she heard that kennedy was assassinated you know so a lot of this stuff is very recent but here's the thing and this is where i agree with you and i don't really have a solution yet um but i agree with you that we need to be very careful to monitor how we let the media coverage of this affect us uh it's possible to be proactive and to be uh, an activist and effect real change while also not letting yourself be poisoned 
by the media trying to keep your eyes glued to the television screen. Because at the end of the day, the media is not covering protests and racism because they care. They're covering it because it's a good story. They're covering it because they can get clicks. They can get engagement, right? Yeah. So we have to be very careful not to let ourselves get sucked into that media vacuum. Exactly. And the thing is, because we now don't control the, the narrative is, is the most difficult thing to do. So that's why we stay. We start with the man in the mirror and try to, you know, try to make the change from there. So how, how do you find balance? How do you, do you just try to keep your eyes away from news about that stuff all the time? Oh my or, gosh. I remember when that just started. I used to go on, you know, Shade Room on Instagram and literally yeah, be bawling, ugly cry tears at those articles that I used to see. It was so heartbreaking. Why is this happening in 2020? So yeah, I just had to really, really just step back. And the bad thing is that in through trying to, sh you know, share all of that awareness, so many people now are just emotionally drained. So now you find you losing momentum and you're not achieving what your original goal was because now people just don't want to see it. They don't want to hear it because it just, you bring you to tears, make you feel angry and depressed and emotional. Right. And, you know, how do we get things to change without making people feel like this? How? I don't know how. I don't, I don't, I don't have all the answers, but I feel like the way that, you know, things were going, that's how I felt about it. And it was draining. It was so, so, so draining. So, so, so draining. I don't usually let things, affect me like that but i just remember being oh it was awful see and that's exactly what i was talking about it in order to affect real change we can't be emotionally depleted exactly <laughs> we have to and be because we're emotionally yeah. attached because anytime you hear that you know somebody of your own this your own that it doesn't even matter like whatever color you are if somebody treats it in a bad way then it's an awful thing. It's right. an awful thing. Man, I just, it was just so much. It was just too much, huh? Because even yeah. in Little St. Lucia, where you hear about all of this, you know, they're whipping you, they're dissing you, they're dancing you. I don't know, maybe because we were accustomed to it. Maybe if somebody else, some, a different culture saw it, maybe they would be in tears like how I was. Right. So maybe it's just a sensitization thing. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of difference between uh, the experience in the UK versus the one in the United States. Um, yeah, it's very different as well. I can give you... But you do get it a lot here. But because we have yeah. so much human rights, this and all of that, and, you know, they're very much more poised than, you know, over here. Whereas <laughs> they're very raw in the USA. They tell you anything, they do anything, and it's like... So I think probably they just covered a better hand, but you still have so much of it. So, so, so much. You want to hear a funny story? I got a funny story for you. <laughs> we, we love funny stories. <laughs> yeah. So flashback uh, to maybe, I think this was back in 2018, 2017. Uh, it was late one night. And I was speeding. I was speeding on my way to, to uh, we'll bring something back to my girlfriend, right? Yeah. So I'm speeding down the street. I was doing like, <laughs> I was doing like a 70 and a 35. 
<laughs> just <laughs> blazing. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto, right? And <laughs> there was a gas station. All lights off, and the police was just in the gas station waiting for me. Like, he knew I was coming. <laughs> and the thing is, you know when you see something and it's almost like slow motion, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm blazing, and just out of the corner of my head, I, I see the, the white and blue. I see shocks, man. You know, oh, I, I know those sirens going to turn on, right? So as yeah. soon as I pass him, you know, of course, I t- take my foot off the gas. I try to slow down, but it's too late. He's seen me already. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I see the lights go off. And, you know, immediately as a black man in America, I know, okay, hands on the steering wheel, wallet on the dashboard, um, keys out, right? Everything's, I'm fully prepared, right? I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. He, he comes up, uh, walks up to my window. I lower the window down. Um, and so, <laughs> so I try my best because here's the thing colonialism has caused the british accent the british accent to be mm-hmm. universally accepted as meaning that you are smart <laughs> it means you're poised it means you're polite yes. it means yes. all these things yeah and if you and because the saint lucian accent is based in the british accent it's not the british yeah. accent but it's based in queen's english uh, you already have some slight twangs that you can pull a little bit mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. sound British, right? <laughs> so he comes up to the window and I'm like, hello, officer. Um, <laughs> I, I deeply apologize. <laughs> I'm so sorry for, uh, for causing any inconvenience. I'm just really in a rush. Uh, I normally don't speed. Um, oh I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely sorry. Uh, and <laughs> he looked at me. Uh, he smiled and said, oh, I see you're in, in a bit of a hurry. He just gave me a warning. I didn't even get a ticket. Oh I did not gosh. get a ticket, okay? I was like 40 <laughs> over the speed limit. I didn't get a ticket or anything. He was like, hey, take it easy. Just slow down, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that the accent is what saved me from the ticket. But yeah. you never know. You don't yeah. know. yeah. And why is that? It's so annoying to me. If, if you look at TV shows and you look at TV shows, you look at movies, the smart person, the, the person in the lab with the glasses, with the glasses mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. always the person with the British accent. Like, hello, how you mm-hmm. doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now your head ass yank when they stop yelling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so funny. No, oh, but, go ahead. Uh-huh. I was going to say that even in this story, uh, there is the, the serious point of oftentimes I feel like I have gotten better tr- treatment in both corporate America and in my daily life because I am not African-American. Because mm. people can hear that in, from your accent, you're not uh, from this country, you're from mm. another country. And if you're speaking mm-hmm. well and speaking standard English, they tend to there's almost something that happens where you're not, you're not, oh, you're not regular black. And it's terrible. Yeah. I'm not yeah. advocating for this, um, but it's something that's not often talked about. And I just wanted to mention it on here. Yeah. We had an incident outside our house where um, the police stopped some people, some boys who were fighting by the road. 
and this the mom comes downstairs and she's like oh the people in this building always calling the police for black people da, 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 da. and you can hear them because the way london houses are it's like flat so it's big blocks of you know like apartment buildings and i was like my husband travis and i were watching them downstairs and i was like you see why i can't have a son i can't have a son <laughs> I cannot have a son. And Travis is like, oh, Ellen, are you getting them so do, 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 do. I can't have a son. Boy, the back and all I would have caused out there, it would have been of extreme purpose. Like, and I wouldn't be able to live in America. You see, with all that going on, I would never be able to live in America. I wouldn't be able to do it. Just constantly, that's my reality, day in, day out. I don't know, you know, if my husband going to come back home safe. And, oh, I wouldn't be able to do it. Well, on my end, what I do is basically what we were talking about earlier in the podcast where you mentioned um, that you remember who you are and where you're from. Because yeah. I didn't grow up Black, um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really think of myself in that way. Although I completely identify with being a Black man. I'm aware that I'm a Black man. Yeah. Um, but I don't let me being a black man limit make you act different yeah act differently or anything like that um which it's all it's all a little convoluted you know um yeah and then people gonna look at it as being delusional as well well my delusional is more extreme than yours but because we were not exposed to it like that i think people are gonna be like oh you know because you know the truth is it is not our reality they'll be like you're not being real because it isn't your reality and and again people love to project you know their feelings and thoughts and everything on you and if we're doing this then we're supposed to do that i remember a lot of the time where all of these things were just starting and it was like almost a bullying thing where you have to have it in your status you have to post about it that blackout day like why if you're not if you're being silent then you're a traitor and da 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 kind of thing and i was just like wow well, on, on my end mm. I, mm. I think it's not so much that i'm not aware that it's my reality but it's more so that i am i am very intentional in the way that i let it affect me yeah right um mm. i i don't let uh the situation drain me of my emotional energy. I, yeah. I'm very selective in the news that I watch. Exactly. Um, I'm also, is- yeah, I'm also very intentional in the way that I support, you know, so I, I, I've donated, I've um, uh, posted to spread social awareness, um, but I do these things while also staying out of the news cycle all the time. Um, yeah. I don't sit on CNN. I don't sit on Fox News or, or yeah. any of those news outlets. Um, mm-hmm. And I just try to be informed without being affected. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and man. I find, yeah, yeah, it is, it is something to try to navigate around because if you tell me to know what's going on, you have to literally be in tears. Oh my gosh, I don't know. But that was just so overwhelming. Right. So, so, so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Now, there is, I want to segue really quickly into COVID. You know, you can't really have any show without talking about COVID a little bit. <laughs> uh, there's a, a general, I feel like there's a general feeling in the community now that uh, there's a little bit more to the whole COVID situation than what we're being told. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Ah. Uh- 
in terms of it not being real or nah maybe not necessarily in terms of it not being real but maybe uh how it was created uh where it came from you know what i watched too many of them movies to <laughs> my mind trust me blast off everywhere already and i feel like it, it's not really important where it came from and all of that business it's just i find it very you know the way when they broadcast um, media, um, you have to wear a mask. They're going to make it a rule in the UK starting next Friday. You're going to basically have to pay a hundred pound fine if you go to a shop without a mask. And I'm like, what? And I think that was, I, I read as well that they were trying to start yeah. it in America. And they actually wanted the police to like come around and start arresting people. I'm like, what about the mask so much? What is it? There must be something else as to why the mask, you know, why are people now needing to wear a mask? You would hear that, you know, with the influenza, it is, you know, spreadable as well. It's airborne as well. Nobody was wearing masks, but now you want people to wear masks. Why? I don't know. I don't know. So in that regard, I do think there's something fishy there. I can't figure out that mask thing yet. Um, I don't know what about it. When I wear a mask, I have breathe. So I don't know if they're trying to kill us so or what it is. <laughs> but so, I do find that bit fishy. <laughs> no, I, I agree that the mask is inconvenient, right? Um, yeah. Because sometimes I go running and um, it, it's annoying having a mask restricting your airflow because yeah. I'm already not fit enough. So <laughs> Yeah. So you wear a mask or not? Yeah, so, you know, when nobody's around, I try and pull it down. But, you know, as soon as you get to a crowded place or you start seeing yeah. people, you have to try and put it back on yeah. and then you get a brief. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But, and you're there panting and it's like... Yeah, oh. but the thing is, uh, I think the reason the governments are trying so hard to um, get people to wear the mask is because it is sort of a proven way or at least a proven way to... Um, to kind of stem the flow of uh, uh, the spread of the virus. And I think at this point, they're just looking for things to do. And as long as they're ticking boxes and saying we're doing things, because you see all of these social distancing measures in the shops, people walk inside by side, you know, but they want you to queue up outside, you know, so just theoretically to say that we're doing stuff. That's the only reason I can think of because a lot of them not making sense. A lot of them not making sense. Yeah, well, for me, what I do, what I like to do to verify the validity of something is I follow the money, right? Mm -hmm. If the governments and the, the corporations of the world weren't losing money in this pandemic, then I, would, then I would say I would agree with you that it's a farce, right? But the fact that the, you know, the U.S. economy, the U.S. national debt just blazed up a couple of trillion dollars um corporations are losing money left right and center um and uh, the airlines are nearly bankrupt um i think that people the governments now are becoming desperate that yo we need to do something about this now to get, try to get people back to work we need to get the i think it was the desperation again. to get people back to work really because the way things were at a standstill it was yeah, people were not making money. 
the businesses yeah i just think it was desperation for that because nothing else makes sense kind of thing and then now that you hear okay a second lockdown is coming and it's like oh my gosh no more toilet paper again kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness i just think like people should have just take that serious stay at your home and let it wipe out and then you know but people just decided took it upon themselves that coronavirus is gone you know meanwhile we're stuck in the house yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even on my end, um, here in Boston, you're seeing people without masks. You're seeing people walking around. I, in fact, I went on a walk yesterday and I walked past past the party of people with no masks. Everybody just outside yeah. enjoying themselves. So no big deal. I'm hoping that there's not a second wave, but I really think there will. And be. my kids are like, "Mom, I thought you said we can't go outside. Why are these people outside?" <laughs> oh. It's been something and, you know, mental health again. I don't know if it's us being locked in the house and, you know, with all of these protests and every, like everything was just piling one on top of the other, one on top of the other. Okay. Oh my God. But they did say statistically, like now is the time for all the suicides. Huh? That's why you're seeing on the news, all these celebrities trying this and that. So in addition to all the deaths from COVID, they were anticipating another how many deaths from suicide alone. Wow. So when I tell you have to take care of your mind and just try to distance yourself from any and everybody and thing that making you unhappy because it's real. It is real, real, real. Things and people you would never expect that to happen to that kind of mental illness to make you want to just take your own life. Yeah. Right. And- Suicide is a whole other topic that we could spend a whole other, other hour exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately, I think we're coming up on the end of our time. Um, folks. But that uh, was interesting. You see, I tell you have to do a compre segment. Yeah, it would be nice to have a compre segment. When, when, it would be nice to have a compre segment where we have a little, a little more feedback on the line. Um, but I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And we should, we should do this again. Folks, if you're, if, if you're still with us, make sure that you go out and check Eleanor's YouTube page. Can you just tell, tell the new people again uh, where, where they can go to see more of your content, see more of your journey as a mom? So my YouTube channel is called El Charlo and my blog page is www.wifeofcharlo.com. And you're going to find loads of mommy content on there. You know, just talking about loads of awkward topics. Today I did a kind of life convo on what happens down there after giving birth. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah, but yeah, that's just, you know, types of things. Um, To name a few that we do talk about over there. It's good fun as well. It's not just like uh, groggy, depressing stuff. Like, it's good to have these conversations without yeah. it being like, okay, I need my tissues now, crying time kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll be, I'll be going over, go over there to like, share, and subscribe. And uh, folks, you should too. Don't be a scrub. Okay? Yes, I. <laughs> uh, and uh, thank you so much for joining us on the line, Eleanor. Thank you um, for having me. Folks, you can... See us here again uh, at the next episode of Family Reflections uh, in the next two weeks. We do this bi-weekly, okay? So we hope you join us again. In the meantime, stay easy. All right? All right. Peace out.